0: so hang on these are just like gray sweatpants gray sweatpants that happen to be constructed in such a way that they interact with my body in such a way that i come when i wear them especially when i wear them to sleep
1: I'll give you thirty thousand for twenty percent
0: of this business. <laughs> I, I'm, in. <laughs> I'm in. I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, welcome. Amazing. Welcome to uh, Dirty Dragon's Den, the new title yeah. of Trash Ooh, Future yeah. Podcast, mm. the podcast for how the future is trash. And we are lucky enough today to be joined by Pierre Novelli, hello, friend of the
1: show. It's a pleasure to be uh, back. And uh, if I make any flu noises, I apologize, but I've got something (laughs) wrong with my bones. That's
2: fine. We love chimneys in this podcast.
0: Well, that's the thing. Oh, Oh, God, very nice. I mean, at least you didn't get vaccinated, so you're not mind-controlled by George Soros into joining Antivar.
1: Yeah, or or ensuring that random sections of Hungary have, have got less food or... I'm not clear on the whole Soros thing. It all just seems insane. It's ironic like ensuring that
0: parts of Hungary are starving. <laughs> <laughs>
1: See,
2: what we don't
0: understand is that George Soros is playing like 69th dimensional chess. Yes. and nice. We just Definitely. have to hope that Trump is also playing well, no, the, 69th uh, dimensional chess. That's the thing. Yes, is, he'll save us. That we, one looks like a horse. I want that one. <laughs> Beautiful, huge horse. Before, like we, before we jump into the cast, I will do a, a quick um, ex- exegesis of a theory that I have, uh-huh. um, which is that I think people have a need, like an inbuilt need, for larger-than-life characters like Trump and Soros and stuff to be playing 69th-dimensional chess because they can't cope with the fact that we are and kind of always have ruled by just complete smooth-brained idiots. Uh, Yeah, and also they can't cope with the idea that Mm. the
1: universe is random. Yeah, they need they need like, well, that table fell over because of ghosts. At same <laughs> no, You, no, you, no,
2: you need you need rough brain in your diet. It's crucial. For, <laughs> that's why that's why zombies often have digestive problems. That's right. <laughs> so, but but that's why they're f-
0: so smart. Fibrous brains. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is appropriate as it's go- this episode is going to come out in October. <laughs> it's scarily the spookiest good of, episode. of the <laughs> uh, Anyone got any scary Twitter names before we jump into the hashtag content? Oh yeah, you got to change your name to a <laughs> spooky one. At yeah. real Donald Trump, am I
1: right?
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: oh. Hey sir, oh. Sir, sir. sir, 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 sir! I do not have any candy. You are too old to be trick or treating. What is that from?
2: They're definitely part of the US treaty It's military. just blue, blue like, tape Trumpifiers.
0: Trump just, blue, oh, those, just, oh, just, oh, just uh, so, so, yeah, yeah. yeah I the, now. Uh, mm-hmm. Sir, you are a disgrace to the presidency. Uh, and no one else has ever been a disgrace to the presidency. Yeah. I forget Richard Nixon and Obama's drone war, etc. It's always like someone from sort of KBBL
1: news KBBL I don't know they always, they, uh, Why do Americans? that's from the Simpsons KBBL is the organization yeah. of like the Simpsons they gave an elephant yeah <laughs> they, but that's always who it is right it's like well, I'm the main news anchor for northern Kansas spooky names yeah I always tend to go for Piscayre Bouvelli. <laughs> Piscayre Bouvelli. <laughs> Piscay Bouvelli. Uh, that's and good. it sounds like
2: like, a, like a, a, um, a, a, a swimming pool related fright in
0: France <laughs> Piscayre If if someone wanted to follow you on Twitter Pierre what would they yeah. follow they would follow at Pierre <laughs> You're yeah, going to probably so want to help them with spelling that,
1: that one. Yeah, uh, uh, And Peter Novels
0: has still not gotten his mail. With
1: that, I, <laughs> I, went, I did um, End of the Road Festival, and I had to do the dance I always do. Right? You go up to the little booth of like, can I come in and be given my wristband and everything, mm-hmm. and uh, give your ID... And they're like, you're not on the list I, in the system and the computer. And I was like, OK, let's play this game again. <laughs> uh, remove an R. From Pierre, and put a U in Novelli, and let's see how that plays. <laughs> Mr. No. Vin just trying all these different iterations of how you could possibly spell my as name. As your name becomes gradually more Greek. Yeah, well that's yeah. it, like, uh, uh, Pierre Novelle <laughs> oh, was, yes. uh, was at the festival as it turned out, okay. and he didn't turn up to pick up his wristband, so I got his wristband. Oh, that's years, good, and, yeah. Yeah. And so he was, but he was really
0: annoyed when he turned up a minute later. That's right. What do your
1: you mean?
2: You don't know what do you
0: mean? And it was just Gr- Pierre and a big fake mustache. <laughs> But then, we have Pierre Novile. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Milo, do you have a scary Halloween name on your Twitter? Um, what would my scary Halloween name be? Oh, you don't have one. I mean, my middle name is
1: Leonard. That's pretty scary. It's pretty scary. Yeah. It? Milo. Milo. Kill. Come on, what rhymes with? What's something scary? Milo that Yonopoulos. My, that's, my, my, that's pretty my, scary. <laughs> there <laughs> you go. Yeah. I, I have been mistaken for him before. Did it's, you meet? Did you ever meet him at Cambridge?
2: No, I think he's I'm, quite a lot older than me.
1: No, I met him twice. I think you're in the middle ground between us. Yeah. Well, he was a mature student. Okay. At Wolfson.
0: <laughs> so, if you want to follow Milo, it's at Milo underscore Edwards. Yeah. On and, both Twitter and Instagram. And uh, if you want to follow me, it's at Raleh R A L E H. And my scary Twitter name is Ralehween. That's good. That's <laughs> nice. Milo Milo Annopoulos Edward Snowden. <laughs>
1: Oh,
0: yes, got Edward Snowden also lives in Moscow. Figures so. of our
1: modern time. <laughs> um,
0: I kind of like, um, I kind of like friend of the show Ahir Shah's uh, Twitter name, which is just Halloween Ahir Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah that's funny. It's, it's he's keeping yes. it simple. Yeah, I going wonder, back to basics.
1: Yeah, maybe I should pick. I I mentioned this in my Edinburgh show, but I, the Isle of Man has its own traditional Halloween. All oh, the to do the weird that. yeah hop tune yeah, more scary and like actually yeah. much more unnerving halloween because yeah. it's still the same ritual as less slutty, like more scary yeah. <laughs> yeah Whereas, literally like no like your your dead relatives will come back and be angry with you if you don't do these, oh, the god. following things like, oh, fucking hell <laughs> my like, ang-
2: my relatives are angry enough when they were alive <laughs> good it, god
1: yeah that's it and you just go like oh no the world of the dead is always next door to our world it's right. just that tonight the the,
0: the boundary <laughs> is most permeable the veil is as thin as Riley's sweatpants <laughs> <laughs> How racist is Grandpa now? <laughs> and, and as full of ectoplasm <laughs> as oh Riley's sweatpants. Uh, guys, shall we do the cast? Yes. Mm. Yes, let's do it. Alia Yachta-est, they say. <laughs> Alia Casta-est. So I've, um, I've gone through uh, the, the internet, as yeah. I usually do, trolling my sort of Twitter. Riley and prints out the internet every week and reads <laughs> yeah, I through can. it on, I, I on read his it. sun lounger. <laughs> um, A little light reading. Um, yeah. Pretty racist. Um, And a lot of Viagra ads. (laughs) And we've got uh, two things that we want to discuss today. Yeah. Um, The first is a company called Perkbox. And we're going to go through what that does and why it's dystopian. Mm. And the second is um, an article in The Atlantic titled Mm. Mayonnaise Disrupted uh, that was sent in by Hussein Kesvani. Yeah. Nice. Um, Hello, Hussein. <laughs> Hi, Hello. Hussein. <laughs> Thank <laughs> I know you for lending there. our yeah. podcast an air of respectability by not being stupid on it like we are.
2: <laughs> um, our, our, our podcast is like the Jonathan Ross show. It sort of gains credibility by just having people who are credible on it.
0: Yes. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, that's there. Uh,
0: so forms guys, the shape of its container. Guys, uh, Perkbox. Yeah. Um, Perkbox's main slogan is, happy teams do great things. Yeah, those I guess dang so. teens. <laughs> and then their explanation for why they exist, and we'll tell you what they are in a second, mm-hmm. is 61% of the UK's workforce is, quote, disengaged. This means they are not passionate about their jobs or loyal to their companies, and it costs the UK economy. And they're not firing on the enemy! <laughs> £340 billion pounds a year. Engaging your employees boosts productivity and makes your company a more attractive place to work. With neither of you guys doing an irony, how do you think, realistically, employees could be more engaged? Because
1: there's always this, this, this thing of like, oh, but they're not passionate or loyal. Uh-huh. But then the double side of it is that there's like, the people asking them to be passionate or loyal are people who themselves move between companies and would view excessive loyalty as a thing that gets in the way of promotion and stuff. Because yeah. often promotions have to be done by moving company or whatever. So it's like a hypocritical expectation. If I was some dipshit or whatever, and uh-huh. I've done some pretty <laughs> dipshitty jobs, not many, but Mm. some real stupid ones, if they literally just said, hey, if you suck less at this, we'll just give you more money. (laughs) Okay, great. (laughs) Like if they just said, we'll give you literally like double what you've made if you create four times of as much value, like enough of a share of it. And I go, yeah, "Yeah, fine. I don't need a hat or I don't need you to like me. Um, (laughs) And I'd I'd like double my production if they said, we don't even expect you to smile while you do this joyless task. Like we understand Mm. that you're doing this because you want to not die of no food <laughs> and that's what oh, being go, a stand-up comedian you. is that's right exactly <laughs> exactly yeah. um, the audience is my boss and they're cruel but very pragmatic
2: yeah <laughs> i think at some point in the 80s um, yeah. being like having a job became like being a prostitute whereby yeah. you weren't just expected to do the job you were expected to act like you enjoyed it at the same yeah. time which i really resent it's like okay this job is dumb yeah and i'm doing it for money yeah. we all know this yeah. Why, like, why do we have to pretend
1: that, like, like... Like, I'm passionate about French fries. Yeah, about not dying. Yeah. Hunger. But <laughs> also, know? it's it's that thing of, like... Um, essentially, what they're doing is they're looking at cults or, or, or charities Just or... Just like, or, I'm uh, passionate about French fries, and then you could
2: say it like a McDonald's interview.
1: But <laughs> like, <laughs> but this thing, they're looking at cults or, like, religious groups and stuff and going, like, well, oh, they're or, like, political groups. And it's like, well, they get so much done and they're so productive because they believe in it. And they go, yeah, but... Like a political party or a religion will never be able to inspire the same level of priceless devotion as like your fucking nugget startup. It's not going to happen.
2: No. So,
0: I think those are that's actually both like very reasonable opinions. From, uh, from also the way Ryan the is waving
2: his hands around to direct the chat sounds like he's a cricket
0: umpire awarding <laughs> scores. <laughs> yep. so that's a take one. Yep. Take one. <laughs> so, I am going to tell you um, how uh, Perkbox aims to solve again this very simple problem of people hate their jobs they're not engaged. Yeah. Perkbox's bright idea is hey, what if mm. okay, we still pay everyone a garbage wage. Yeah. We still make mm. them stay very long hours but don't give them employment security. But nice. what mm. if we a give phone? them what if we give them Argos vouchers or beer on Friday? Oh, beer on at last! Beer on Friday. Ah, I've
1: never had a beer all on this Friday. Beer on Thursday. <laughs> terrible. Well, this beer on Monday and expecting yeah. us to keep
2: working on Tuesday morning. And finally, we can go to Argos. I've been stuck in Sparta all these years. as <laughs> oh <God>, that. <laughs> yeah. I barely get that, and that's only thanks to the Rome
1: Total yeah. War, James. Uh,
2: <laughs> so <laughs> long have I wanted to raise an army of 2,000 ships
1: and wage war on Lycia. <laughs> People of Thrace have prospered for
0: too long. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, Vouchers will be their downfall. Yeah. I, All of my fleeces are, are artificial. Why aren't they gold? <laughs> Was the, the reason strong. why Troy
2: was so hard to sack was because they kept all of their merchandise behind a large wall. You <laughs> had to go on the counter and request the Trojans to bring it to you using a small pencil. That's right.
1: And the so, Trojan horse had one of those little waiting to be called up numbers Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> to take a ticket.
2: I love, I love correcting people's ancient Greek references. It's one of my favorites. Um, which demonstrates what a completely unsuitable person I am for the modern world. No, but if you know,
1: <laughs> if you have knowledge, what's the point of having it if you can't ever use it at the tiniest opportunity? Exactly. To- <laughs> like, <I really laughs> if someone ever says anything about Vikings, you better believe I'm fucking all over it.
0: That, that, you know, yeah. Hold your horses there. Well, you guys were riffing on that. I, uh, I spent a little um, mm. time on the internet. and um, So what you can do with Perkbox yeah. is it allows bosses to give out Little certificates like master multitasker Ooh. to their it's uh, a
2: picture of an uh, happy octopus, a hap- holding an envelope and a pencil, which is much <laughs> larger than the envelope, which I feel betrays <laughs> the notion of the sizes of envelopes also and I'd, pencils.
1: I'd, uh, given how envelopes are intended to work, I don't think it's too much to expect someone to use an envelope and a pencil. To presumably address the envelope,
0: it's not really multitasking, it's tasking. No, tasking. <laughs> Basic tasking. Wave the envelope, wave the pen, but then, but, ah, combine. But combine. Thi- what, this, what this reminds me of is, I just wanted to confirm the quote here, is um, Napoleon Bonaparte. Napoleon Bonaparte says... Uh, this is a good one. A soldier will fight long and hard for a bit of coloured ribbon. Yes. What they
2: forget is, in the 19th century, coloured ribbon was one of the most valuable commodities. <laughs> a little bit of purple trim on your toga. Yeah. Um, could be exchanged for 100 kilos of salt. But what it could be exchanged
0: for African slaves. <laughs> a, essentially, what Perkbox does is yeah. it allows you to try and trick your employees into working mm. harder for you without actually sharing any of their productivity, any of the fruits that are labor yeah. with them.
1: It's a capitalist version of a sort of Stakhanovite. <laughs> Like it is your pride in in coal mining that should be. <laughs> I suppose. Oh, yes. um, I suppose I'm proud of coal mining.
2: If it, if American soldiers get the Purple Heart, do they get the Black Lung? Is that like
1: <laughs> that's that's the medal? Yeah, for, for yeah. heavy smokers on duty, <laughs> get the Black Lung.
2: Imagine imagine smoking in a coal mine. There's just too much oxygen down here. <laughs> well, My lungs, lungs are doing flame. fine. Yeah.
0: And so, basically, what I find so galling about this mm. is how paltry. Uh, many of the actual rewards are. So you can yeah. incentivize your team by giving them like a Curry's PC World 100-pound gift voucher. Sure. And what does that really get you? That you can either save on mm. your computer, you might be able to buy a pair of headphones, but you'll have to like grind yourself into dust slaving away for your company from like 10 o'clock to get like a little certificate yeah. and like a little discount that you definitely didn't even pay 100 pounds for. I've, I've bought the cheapest possible laptop from
1: from. Uh, PC World slash Curry's before <laughs> you sound like you did that for material
2: almost like I, how I, bad can it be I did
1: it I did it because um, <laughs> I used to I had a habit of just buying cheap shit and and, and just not treating it very nicely because it was cheap and then it just wore, wore out and anyway uh. the point of it is <laughs> the thing is like 350 pounds still mm. I mean I think there were cheaper ones it's but a very were- heavy laptop <laughs> that's <laughs> probably why it was so cheap that's right international <laughs> it is is, is Ada Lovelace's
0: original you have to carry it on a flatbed truck which really eats into the savings yeah that's where this, is, this b- is
2: the UK the buffer zone between imperial and metric measurements you can sort of use either
1: that's true <laughs> yeah but uh, it, yeah. it was still like 350 quid or whatever like anything mm. less than that was verging on like a tablet with a keyboard kind of level of <laughs> computing power
2: ah oh, you're like one of those uh, VTech ones it's like the cow goes moo
1: yes yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> the excel
2: spreadsheet says you have no money <laughs> a, big, um, <laughs> a big plastic telephone on the side i don't need an no, Excel spreadsheet <laughs> to tell me that <laughs> get me the pentagon
1: <laughs> yeah. the, um that's but also i like, think that's course- what
2: they've given donald trump instead
1: of the nuclear oh like, yeah like, yeah, <laughs> fire, yeah, yeah. Fire, well, like yeah. a flintstone like, phone. north korea <laughs> says <a> boo <laughs> <laughs> the, um, but of course the rewards have to be paltry right because yeah otherwise all the company would be doing is say hey um it will cost more for you to lavishly reward reward your employees by using us as needless middlemen.
3: Mm, Whereas
1: that, that would mean that they couldn't be a business. Whereas for them to be a business, they need to say... The amount you'll save won't negate the amount you spend on paying us to be middlemen by telling you to just give
0: your employees fucking hourglass vouchers. But also, one of the big tricks of it yeah. is that a lot of it's in terms of competitions, like who can attend the most meetings or who can put in the most hours. Yeah, and who can attend the most meetings. Honestly, like our, our episode with Hussein um, last <laughs> week. So I guess this is going to come out this week because I just dated it. Yeah. Um, we talked a lot about like how most of the modern work culture seems to just exist to perpetuate itself and not to create anything.
2: Yeah. Uh, and like I think when trash through to the podcast which
0: references the previous <laughs> episode of the podcast. Yes. <laughs> so when you're like when your whole exi- motivation to work isn't that you're actually doing something, isn't that you're enacting any change in the world, but that you're just Stamping a piece of paper and moving it into another inbox where someone else can stamp it. Yeah. When you just exist as a kind oh, of a Soviet b- Union, useless bureaucratic, yeah. useless bureaucratic cog. Oh, we just lost the tankies. Um, <laughs> I'm t- I'm sure we'd lost them for some <laughs> completely unforeseen reason minutes ago. You yeah. you ha- o- you can only be motivated by sort of you know being handed out being handed out little trinkets. It's like, you know, the bread and circuses, but yeah. much more sort of, you know, tech and friendly and trying to subsume your whole life into mm-hmm. an office-based existence until you like, get an Alpine sleeping bag to like hang from the climbing wall yeah. in your fucking old street uh, converted warehouse. But it's the mm-hmm. same, like,
1: it's, it's the same sort of everywhere, isn't it? Even like the sort of, uh, the Chinese civil service like uh, hundreds of years ago had all the sort of different hats with different colored buttons on and, the Soviets had the various random orders of the Red Banner, orders of the. You've had it's all three like kids. Like the Boy Scouts. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's all just uh, people need little signals and and
2: little. Right. I, I don't. Huh? I don't. Know, I don't know the time check because okay. my garage band measures things in bars. You can change. We've that. been talking for okay. seven hundred and thirteen bars. You can
1: change that. You can change that in the upper okay. right hand thing next to the. Huh. Oh, yeah, we're good. Twenty-three minutes. So, but so it, there's like arbitrary yeah. rewards. It, it, yeah,
2: it, it's. So I have a fun digression about this, which is that so one of my good Russian friends, who I lived with for a couple of years, uh, Lyosha, his mum, is a very, is a very nice lady, and worked as a translator, weirdly, for the British police in Belarus for a long time, they're <laughs> investigating some weird Second World War war crimes. Yeah. Um, but she's like, I'd say one of her defining characteristics, she's quite like a sweetly naive lady. Yeah. And but when she was a child, she's obviously more naive, and she was in the made to be in the Soviet. Boy and Girl Scouts thing called the Pioneers, yeah, and uh, and in the Pioneers they used to tell them that Lenin is your grandfather. Um, <laughs> Lenin and, is my grandfather. And they also the Soviet propaganda was Lenin 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 like Lenin lived, Lenin is alive, Lenin will live. But but obviously Lenin was literally dead. Yes. I mean, and you
0: could go and see his dead body, so it was weird. You can see how Th- dead he There
2: was is. a lot of cognitive dissonance in this. I'm
0: going yeah. to edit in the clip from The Simpsons where Lenin is brought back to life. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. must crush epithelism yeah, <laughs> yeah. we cage. fooled you all um, but yeah and so uh,
2: and then one day she was at some pioneers event yeah. and then all the local party officials came down to watch they were doing some play or something yeah. and then she asked one of the local party officials this is one of her like uh, most formative child memories she was like when is my grandfather Lenin coming to watch the play And she was like... And they all panicked because they suddenly realized that like they couldn't tell me that Lenin was dead (laughs) because that was against all of their party propaganda. But they also couldn't say he was coming because then, well, what the fuck would happen when he didn't come? (laughs) So they just sort of were like... "Um, Run along there, little child.
1: <laughs> Go eat some sugared beets.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> sugared beets? That's for the bourgeoisie. Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. Regular beets. unsugared beets. beets. Normal beets. Now you have to edit in the clip from Archer where uh, Nikolai
0: Jakov says, no, no, I don't cure for my beets. I get my beets delivered in a limousine. The Soviet Union is
2: surprisingly unfair.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably just going to keep the references to editing in as opposed to, like, bothering to rip these from YouTube. It's a regular sure. yes. aesthetic of our podcast oh, yeah.
2: as we say we're now going to edit this but then we just describe yeah, just it don't well, they bother. Can just,
0: if they, they get it or they don't really. if they know. care to they can search it they're out. googleable yeah. yeah it's all very googleable guys yeah. those dang um, internets so yanking us back to our um our, our, our core concern for the first segment of this episode perk box pretty dumb right yeah well i mean inevitably
1: because <laughs> <it's> just <laughs> if if your job is boring then it's boring and it's something
2: you picked for this podcast. Part, part There's a of the, definite confirmation bias <laughs> to listening to this podcast. Part of,
1: the reason, part of the reason as well that so many jobs, because there was that article years back, I can't remember, it was basically just explaining, it, it was
0: theorizing that loads of jobs are just made up to keep, oh, you, yeah. to keep, to keep you down, man. Bullshit jobs. That's, yeah, yeah. That's, that was our subject last week with Hussein, yeah. the man. David Graber.
1: Um, I saw that, uh, I read a rebuttal to it saying, Rebuttal in the sense of not saying that your jobs aren't bullshit or boring. They very much are. All mm-hmm. jobs are, are boring to an extent. But pointing out that the satisfaction that humans get from knowing that they are the doers, I made yeah. that or I predicted that or I did the maths for that thing to occur, mm-hmm. that's all the computers know. That's
2: why Nosferatu was so happy all the that's time. That's right. <laughs> uh,
1: I sucked all that blood out of that person's face. <laughs> he was very satisfied. High job satisfaction, low wages, low benefits. Um... But that's what's being done by computers now. So inevitably, your job is just to be like, did the computers do this right? Compliance, are we breaking the law? HR, are the people who ensure that we're complying and the computer did it right and we're not breaking the law happy legally in the job while they're doing it? So essentially, the people who enable the great machine... Regulating the great machine in as much as it needs to be regulated and therefore regulating themselves and within the country that they're in. And that's Mm. most jobs.
2: You sound weirdly like an early 20th century dystopian novel. We must regulate the great machine. Yes. (laughs) It It has been built out of brass and clockwork. (laughs) Great calculator. It's it's
0: almost as though we are in some kind of dystopia. (laughs) OMG. OMG. What?
2: Not the steampunk kind that everyone in the early twentieth century imagined. <laughs> but that's but that's the
1: worst thing, is that we're in like Everything was made of glass, bizarrely, despite how fragile that mm. material is. It's only in the last like yeah, exactly yeah. <laughs> it's only in, like the last ten years that you could start to change the argument that
0: we're in the best dystopia because like late Victorian London was definitely dystopia. Oh yeah, it was I mean, way worse. Any society yeah. that has an event called the Great Stink is definitely a dystopia. <laughs> oh fuck yeah.
1: Or any any society where it's like, well, I couldn't find a penny, so All my children had to be sold. Just things like oh fuck, just horrifying, (laughs) awful,
2: brutal. (laughs) Like yeah, yeah. Victorian England was bizarre. Like the workhouse. Yeah,
0: well, like, just, "Well, just we're like, going
2: to give these poor people pointless tasks just to punish them for being poor. We'll yeah. pay for your stuff, but we don't want you to like it. Build these wallets." Well, here's yeah. the
0: interesting thing, though. I, I had an article in the New and Statesman that's about modern this. Modern world. Ooh, I, ha- I had an modern article. In the well, that's the thing. I had an article in the New Statesman about this not long ago. Yeah, um, which was basically suggesting that the way modern benefit systems are administered yeah. is largely akin to the workhouse, in as much as the workhouse was based on this thing called the principle of less eligibility, Uh which means that it exists to make life on essentially Victorian benefits less pleasant than the life of a worker. Because there was this idea that the poor had to be discouraged from being poor because poverty and immorality were seen as largely the same thing. And what my article posited um, was that that point of view hasn't really gone anywhere. Mm. That sort of... If you want to apply for universal credit, for example, even if you're already on a job and you're getting in-work benefits, you need to prove that you're working like an additional 40 hours a week to find another better job, Yes, yeah. which is essentially ridiculous, but can't be relaxed because there's this idea that still, the poor have to be punished for being poor.
1: But it's not also academic as like, ah, the morality of the ha-ha-ha. It's yeah. very practical of like, well, if you can get more out of doing nothing than doing something, then you'll do nothing. And then the, surely the problem is that the level is set by how poorly low-level workers
0: are treated. But yeah. also I think that, that makes a key mistake about human nature, which is that I think ultimately, uh, I, one of the reasons I'm such a commie is that I trust that if people are given the space to, they will be productive. And if we ha- they'll be productive, but directed towards their own ends. They'll be more creatively productive. I mean, you're saying yeah. this in a podcast
2: that I am on. You yeah. know, I yeah. a lot and of me space. As well. <laughs> and and like, oh, God, I'm I very get so poor, I'm done.
0: self-employed. I'm a very poor employee. And yeah. if they have, if that holding them sort of their lives ransom, yeah, essentially means that they're sort of forced into drudgery, which feels to me like a kind of internal prison. Oh, no, sure.
1: But what I'm saying, like, drudgery is always bad. But what I'm saying is that the problem surely comes Mm -hmm. when the level of the lowest worker is so low as to make being poor uh, and not working Mm. suffering. Whereas if if we just raise the level of the worker Mm -hmm. to, like, the level of maybe a Norwegian lower working class... Like, if you, like a Norwegian yeah. janitor is better off than an English janitor. Yeah. A Swedish janitor is better off than an English janitor. For sure. Et cetera, et cetera. Then you nothing go, else, okay, because fine. the
2: other people they get to socialize with are Norwegians. Um, <laughs> they don't <laughs> well, have to I hang out with the English. Depends
0: <laughs> how far north you had to meet some Norwegians. Uh, yeah. Chaps, uh, I found one um, article on yeah. the Perkbox blog that I would like to kind of read briefly. Okay. um to uh, to trash future I've listeners. Probably we, read it before. I mean, yeah, I'm a we regular are going. Follow. I actually just found it. We are going to be going back to the Perkbox blog because it is beautifully stupid. Okay. Um, this article is entitled "Driving Loyalty in Your Millennial Workforce." Ooh. Okay. are the, all, the we're less popular sequel to
2: "Driving Miss Daisy." We're
1: all millennials, right?
0: Yeah, I think
2: we're all we're all millennials. Born between eighty <laughs> yeah, four and ninety five. I think. Yeah. All, yeah. yeah. I
0: think. Perfect. yeah. Okay. Boom. So a recent Perkbox study, so you guys know this is going to be unbiased. Um, found oh, I mean, uh, conducted by real men in white coats. <laughs> Do- Do- Dr. Perkbox? <laughs> yes, this yes. is my <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Found that almost half of all millennials are likely to leave their jobs within a year, far more than previous generations. This unsettling statistic is compounded by another. 76% of millennials identified as feeling valued or highly valued for their work, again, more than o- older cohorts. So it's almost like millennials don't have a lot of job security, but we feel valued when we're in a job. It's almost as though maybe people give us a lot of pats on the head yeah. and very little fixed-term contracts.
2: I, I find yeah. it really weird when you get all these statistics about, oh, millennials like, leave work at, at 5 p.m. on the dot. And it's like, well, like, well they're, leaving, they're working for the time that they're paid. And like, the people that are paying them are like making far more money. I mean, like, okay, I get it. Like, sometimes everyone has, when you're in a working environment, everyone has to pitch in. Yeah. Like, okay, sometimes you might have to stay an extra half an hour. But like, that gets paid back to you. And sometimes you might have to leave half an hour early for something but that, else.
1: But that's the difference between our generation and if you look at the sort of seven, well, not necessarily the 70s, <laughs> but certainly the 80s, mm. where it was like, I know I'm making the man three floors above me disproportionately rich or yeah. the executives mm. or the board or the investors or whatever. But I'm being paid so much and in purchasing power parity it is worth so, and I can have so much that I don't care. It's yeah. worth my time to do it anyway and it's worth my but time. But then when to you apply that time. to like a
2: minimum wage job it doesn't work. Well, there's well, no but,
1: point but, staying late at
0: McDonald's or, or well, a zero hours yeah, but, contract. Well, but that's well, yeah.
1: what I'm saying and yeah. especially but in, if you look at just the power of currency like yeah. the the minimum wage should now be what 10 pounds 80 mm. or something if it's going to buy you as much as it did when it was introduced. Imagine if you lived when it was introduced. You go like, yeah, I fucking stack bad wine in Aldi for sort of nine to five and I have this incredible the equivalent of someone being paid ten pounds eighty an hour now. Yeah which in a minute in a job like that is unheard of. Yeah. yeah of course you're gonna be fine with it. It's 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 bribing people into Tolerating something boring. Yeah, that's well, what I, everything is. See, I really, I
2: really struggle having these conversations with my parents because my parents ran their own business for a long time. Yeah, and mm. my parents would
0: like Milo is petty bourgeoisie. Like, everyone. Well, yeah, I mean,
2: well, my parents are like working class, but they like you know it's self-made, you know mm-hmm. whatever. Like, Under I Thatcher. mean, you know, I l- I, I no I like, pre Thatcher. My parents are old. Oh, I yeah, like really. I like seeing um, the
1: UK statistics where fifty percent of the population identifies working class, and according to actual. Job style, yeah. style, it's like 7%. I don't, I don't identify as working <laughs> class. No,
0: I, I, do well, identify, but, I do identify as working class. Yeah. Well, it's largely because of my relationship to production. I draw <laughs> a salary from capital and live on a salary. Yeah. That's it. I have the cultural indicators of someone who's middle class, but I think a lot of those cultural indicators just serve to decrease solidarity amongst people who draw salaries from capital.
2: Riley, I realize that you have a lot of sex with socialist girls that you meet online, but <laughs>
0: um,
2: there's a limit to what you can plausibly claim. Yeah. I mean, you, you have been to too many top Russell Group universities to really conceivably claim to be working
1: you've, class. You've, you've got to type a lot harder to get calluses on those fingers. There's only so divorced your parents can be. <laughs>
0: And that's the trailer.
1: (laughs) Like, let's not forget, even as recently as the late 90s, early 2000s, even in London, it was like, well, you know, it's hard to buy a flat in London, but after saving up for three years, I bought a two up, two down in zone two. (laughs) Oh, that sounds hard. You know, it's like, it it was so easy back then. It was like, well, you know, I only have a garage for for one of my three cars. And, and, And you're like, not even that exceptional if you're in like a rural area or
0: anywhere north of a particular line across England. You guys are talking about like wages and stuff, but yeah. uh, Perkbox identifies sort of loyalty and, and sticking power. They say, more so than the older working cohorts, millennials are attracted to organizations that offer career progression. Again, maybe because we want to eventually buy a house or maybe because we want to eventually not be in debt. Yeah, because career
1: progression is so crucial to, as you say, not have a life that sucks forever till you're dead. But then
0: in yeah. most articles... I worry
2: about that so much. In
0: most articles about why, like, how to work with millennials, it's always clear propaganda, because yes. around this point it has a turn, where they say, yes, millennials are interested, and in basically we just want money. But then they say, ah, but millennials are interested in other things. Mm. 87% of the, I'm sure, very randomly chosen cohort held the belief that, that the success of a business should be measured by more than its financial performance and that um, almost three-quarters of millennials, surprise perk box, were found to be motivated by personalized benefits in addition to their salary. Yeah. Don't pay us more. Just give us a discount gym membership. But it's very
1: easy to be, to to say yes because, like, if you ask me the question that vague, I'd say yes. Mm. It's like on top of all the your money, would you like us to personalize things, gifts for you? you know? Yeah, I guess you get just terrible gifts, but they all say Peter novel on them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Perry Neville. Yeah. Oh, how per-
0: personalized! A mug.
1: Per- Perry Neville's plastic wallet. <laughs>
0: We'll World's best, Barry Neville. <laughs> we're all going to die renting and deep in debt, but at least we'll look amazing because we got 5% off our Pure Gym membership. That's it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back and talk about a really strange mayonnaise, <laughs> mayonnaise company. Welcome back to the second segment of Trash Future, the podcast about how the future is trash, where we are joined by our very special guest, Matt Zarb-Cousin. Hello, thanks for having me. Uh, Matt Zarb-Cousin can be found on Facebook as Matt Zarb, at Matt Zarb, Facebook, Twitter. Twitter. And uh, he has joined us to talk about this extremely stupid company. The stupidest company we've ever talked about. For any listeners who may be confused, we are still joined by
2: Pierre Novelli. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm still here as well. (laughs) It is still the same episode you were listening to. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, You've not lost yourself in space and time.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we've just had, uh, we're just switching up the lineup a little bit. Yeah, It's one of the few times where due to our
2: disorganization, the podcast has gotten even better because we were supposed to record another episode with Matt later, but this
0: episode so overran that Matt arrived and we were like, well, you may as well join in on this one as well. <laughs> uh. <laughs> it's, it's a perfect storm of incompetence that's led to actually something good. So guys, um, I received an article in my, uh, in my Twitter DMs uh-huh. um, entitled Mayonnaise, comma, Disrupted. How did Josh Tetrick's vegan mayo company become a Silicon Valley darling, and what is he really selling? Spoiler alert. uh, Is it snake oil? (laughs) Spoiler alert. It's mayonnaise made of snake oil. Uh, That's not
1: vegan. Mm It's uh, synthetic snake oil from (laughs) some kind of berry.
0: That's be the only way that you can get away with that. um, (laughs) what What I'm struck by in this article is that there's largely sort of two threads to it, I think. Which is that um, Josh Tetrick, thirty-seven-year-old CEO and co-founder of Hampton Creek, the mayonnaise company, um, is a complete psychopath, Uh, and then Hampton Creek, the mayonnaise company, I think might be a grift or some kind of fraud. I wouldn't, I wouldn't (laughs) trust mayonnaise I found in a creek.
1: It's not what I, I would expect reliable mayonnaise to come from. No, that sounds a gully with uh, water at the bottom. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like it might contain some salmonella. Can so, you get salmonella in vegan mayonnaise, or is it cleaner somehow? Because there's no, there's no egg, egg in it. it. Yeah, no egg. But, may- but salmonella is a, a persistent. <laughs> it strikes me. Maybe <laughs> it it'll just, find. Just appears me. everywhere. Salmonella uh, finds a way.
4: <laughs> so how, how is has how he managed to make this unsafe for human consumption if it's got no egg in it? Well, that's the real feat of I think the um, the
0: now with added poison. <laughs> 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 the, the sort of highly tech disrupt culture is. Because they're so obsessed with their sort of aesthetic of um, innovation, disruption, and quote, the new, yeah. uh, they can just fuck up in so many new and interesting ways. Wait, so it's unsafe to eat? <laughs> there have been allegations. I, missed, I, missed, I skimmed read the article, but I missed this. I didn't see that. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's amazing. So let, let's hop in. Um, Josh Tetrick, the 37-year-old CEO and co-founder of Hampton Creek, a startup valued at 1.1 billion dollars. By the way. Oh my God! So surely that started. I'm going to say, keep that figure in your mind as we go through this article. This startup is valued at 1.1 billion dollars. This is the opening line of the article. Fixed his unblinking eyes on a job candidate. Mm. So already, this is clearly a very regular guy. Yeah, <laughs> he is a, a regular fun guy. So who he is, I sort of, I sort of. Sp- Gone through and pulled some selection from the article. Who is this guy that has this possibly unsafe mayonnaise startup? <laughs> He's a former lawyer turned vegan food startup impresario. Quote from the article. <laughs> Tetrick insists that Hampton Creek is not a vegan food producer. He has called it a, quote, tech company that happens to be working with food. Has said the best analog to what we're doing is Amazon. I'm not in
2: the I'm not in the mafia. I'm in the waste disposal business. <laughs> it happens to break your kneecaps. All right.
0: there was waste in your knees. <laughs> I and took out I'm the waste. of it <laughs> using using robotics, artificial intelligence, data science, and machine learning, Hampton Creek, according to Tetrick, is analyzing the world's 300,000 plus plant species to find sustainable, animal free alternatives to ingredients in processed foods. Which, Riley said, editorializing is something I think humanity has spent the last 10,000 years doing. Because what makes this most interesting is he, um, he hasn't necessarily done a great job.
1: You're never going to make uh, a vegan mayonnaise that is going to satisfy someone who really misses mayonnaise recently. Like, if you haven't had mayonnaise in 20 years, then you may, could, you could be, trick yourself into anything. <laughs> you, you, could, you could have muscle. You may have been in a
4: North Korean work camp. There. That's right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I think it's it's quite difficult to find light for like substitutes for this stuff, i mean uh, yeah uh, but haven't they found a way of like growing meat in a lab and yeah they, and it potentially have like not have to the the interesting farm thing animals anymore well that's what's interesting is the reason it's difficult isn't to get the cells
1: to grow but to get the mm. texture of meat and to get yeah. it to mm. multiply what you need to do is recreate muscles being used Mm -hmm. like weightlifting Mm -hmm. almost and they would string these large muscle strands across these two points and would have to alternately electrify the two points to create jolting which would (laughs) increase the mass of (laughs) this kind of blob
0: wouldn't that just use (laughs) an incredible amount of electricity no 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 (laughs) no, tiny
1: tiny (laughs) tiny amounts of electricity this is this big like
0: and also, like, once, once uh, we crack the whole cold fusion thing, we'll have uh-huh. loads of electricity. It'd be great. So, <laughs> so, of course This all wait. sounds a
2: lot like a sexual fetish.
0: So far, the most prominent manifestation of uh, Tetrick, a, uh, again, former linebacker who uh, declines to br- uh, blink, is yes. uh, to rethink the f- pillars of our food system by so far just creating vegan mayonnaise. Right. That's more or less. Mayonnaise it. was one of the key pillars of the food That's system. That's right. <laughs> mayonnaise... Hodge
1: twigs, Um, Hodge, yeah,
3: that's right.
1: (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yachts, charity, charity, and bananas. Yeah, I think this is where I'd like to remind everyone that it's worth one pillars of it. It's worth one point one billion dollars. One point one billion. Yeah, he makes mayonnaise that's that's apparently not very good. These possibly Zimbabwean dollars. Yeah, that's crucial. Is Grace Mugabe behind this? We might wonder how can a -A 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 company that famously just makes just mayonnaise, and that is famously not very good, uh, be worth $1.1 billion. Anyone got any theories? I mean... Oh, could it be um, pyramid scheme
2: style investment solicitation... (laughs)
0: <laughs> Ultimately, yes, we will end up there. <laughs> okay. Just, <yeah. laughs> like, like it's, it's, it's the Silicon Valley Ouroboros. It always ends up back at pyramid scheme. I, I love it so much. It's like,
2: invest $10 million in our company for 5%. Like, well, why should I do that? Because next week, some people who are more dumb than you will pay $20 million for 5%, and then your 5% will notionally be worth double what it was and today. you can
1: sell it to them again yeah. as well. You can sell it to next you, week for $30 million. Do you think it's a combination of two crucial things in California? One... A very high number of vegans and uh-huh. a very high number of demand very high demand for vegan good vegan food and two, a very high amount of cocaine. <laughs> are those I mean. two market <laughs> factors leading to this enormous investment in a vegan food a company? Of- because that makes a lot of sense to me. A if lot you're, of you're things in Silicon seem like a Silicon Valley on and on all cocaine. your friends are vegan,
0: <laughs> then that's like, why well, everyone needs vegan but mayonnaise. At some point, yeah. the two of you are gonna go into a bathroom stall and have a loud fast conversation about how we need to invent a fucking food startup or a restaurant. We need to disrupt something.
1: Well, that's it. a friend of mine who is a vegan who I, I meet up for, I meet, I meet up with him for lunch in neutral territory. <laughs> <laughs> you know, where we can both have a lunch
3: mm-hmm.
1: that we deem to be food, mm-hmm. uh, which is not easy but it's getting easier. He was telling me about <laughs> making a vegan BLT but how difficult it was to to create the B part of the BLT, obviously. I would have anticipated that where the problem would come in. Yeah, but then maybe if you... And he's saying that they were really difficult to make and not that great, but fine. (laughs) But a crucial part of a BLT is often mayonnaise. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you'll be in a toilet cubicle with some other guy who also hates his vegan BLT. (laughs) I've just realized what it's missing.
0: Poisonous mayonnaise. Po- poisonous God. mayonnaise that routinely gets eaten. I know time a for guy. To
1: pitch I know his a guy alternative who, to mayonnaise yeah.
0: is in a toilet stall with yeah.
1: you. <laughs> it's a very subtle. Hmm. Come on. I also feel like. I also feel it's like cruelty sentence, free. We can make. We
2: can. We can make. Harvested
1: at sauce.
2: We can make millions out of. We can make millions out of vegan mayonnaise. Can only ever be followed by the sun. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, and then. <clears throat> <clears throat> Ah. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: the, uh, the the journalist for this article sat in on a job interview for like a mid-level it position yeah. and said tetrick told them after the job interview that he screens for employees who quote really believe in the company's quote higher purpose because i trust them more mm. which was based on peter Thiel's famous advice startup entrepreneurs should take inspiration from cults <laughs> literally yes yeah. he, he is I running this run, is a cult yeah um and you know, it, it says that this, this I feel is like true. you can't
2: say stuff like that.
1: <laughs> I feel like even if you think it, it's like... There's a level of richness where yeah. anything could come out of your mouth. You go... The the sun is the original uh, energy market disruptor, and people would go, "Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> very good." You pay me a lot of money just to stand next to you at meetings, so I'm not like, going to say that Sili- you're like, mad.
2: Like, the, like the, in the great on the great spectrum of worldviews, like the, it's like shoehorn, like horseshoeing around where Silicon Valley and the Druids <laughs> <laughs> are sort of meeting in the middle.
1: <laughs> it's isn't it a lesson that if you give a human being enough money and power, they'll just become a version of a druid. <laughs> That's actually the natural human reaction to money and power is just to get mystical and
0: fucking every, weird. Mm. Every, every McMansion is actually secretly a very tasteless Stonehenge. I want to sort of peek under the curtain of uh, of Tetrick a bit, the mm. CEO, um, to kind of understand some of the mania that may have led him to... You made to, it sound um, like he wears a curtain, which is <laughs> I'm prepared to believe. Well, druids, um, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is the uh, the uh, the... The journalist with him at a dog park. As Tetrick refueled with a four, shot, uh, four espresso shot Americano and a bagel sandwich, we watched his golden retriever puppy Ely run around in the glass. He'd purchased her from a breeder specializing in life extension in dogs. <laughs> wow. <laughs>
1: Wow. That's like the one thing that you do learn from having pets. (laughs) He's trying to remove that lesson.
0: (laughs) Everything must die. (laughs) The the dog, now with more battery life. (laughs) (laughs) He is essentially disrupting his colon with enough caffeine to, I don't know, give himself a stroke and also the shit. Interesting.
1: Okay. Mm. Theory I've just come up with. Uh If I was a guy running a startup that was built on air, or at the very least vegan mayonnaise, Mm. I would attempt, if a journalist came around to interview me and spend a day with me, to have the most mental fucking day (laughs) that I could possibly have. Because I knew that, A, that it would make it to print, and B, loads of other idiots who could invest in my fake company would be like, this guy's crazy. He must be onto something. Oh, it's it's like, a genius. Yeah, because you'd never get any column inches if it was like uh, his startup's worth 10.1... It? 1, 1.1, 1.1, 1.1 billion. And it's like, well, you know, he spent the day days. very carefully filing accounts. and You know, <laughs> Ugh. Well, you, you want to hear that he's got like four espressors and he's a fucking robot dog that will never die. And This guy's a genius. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, as we hang glided over the nude beach, dropping... Mm-hmm. <laughs> and <laughs> eggs and <laughs> oh okay, okay good yeah yeah
2: that's what I want from that guy I find him smoking at a Galois but <laughs> it's looking at a naked candor of Richard Branson which he's made himself <laughs> yeah,
4: smoking it re- in reverse there's something of an inherent contradiction there though because he's obviously producing this vegan food and he wants these vegans to like him but uh-huh. he's just admitted that he's got his dog from a breeder and isn't that like oh, the shit, worst yeah. thing you can do uh, yeah, it's yeah. on sort a of PR level it's just <laughs> He's I totally only dogs that have been t- ethically Morgan. grown. Well, in and the lab. that's true.
1: And he wants the <laughs> he wants the employees to be sort of cultically believing in some sort of mission. Yeah. But the most cultic mission believing people around could be vegans, and he's yes. already fucking his whole thing up. Right.
0: He's already so holding true. a dog prisoner who is essentially the uh, the offspring of enslaved dogs. Yeah, exactly. I guess so, although you don't but, want to meet free sorry. dogs, I'll tell you that. <laughs> well, here's here's the weird thing about the dog, and this is kind of when I realized that the guy at the helm of this $1.1 $1. $1. $1 billion uh, mayonnaise startup that famously produces bad mayonnaise mm. uh, might be a bit funny. Mm. Um, Ely, the dog, uh, was named by Tetrick after Holocaust survivor Ely Wiesel because he considers it a, quote, cool name. Mm. Wow. Upright. I mean, it is a cool name.
1: Yeah, let's let's not let's not disagree. But that's a weird way to come across a cool name.
0: <laughs> but um, what really is telling, and I think is our, our segue back from this insane guy to this stupid ass company. Yeah. is that um, Tetrick's free roaming pets have been a point of contention of some of ha- with some of Hampton Creek's food scientists. Mm. Um, the dog regularly ate research cookie prototypes on uh, a few occasions and then the vomit had to be cleaned up from the lab. <laughs> do you, oh, do you know what that is, though? That's a uh,
1: an environment where everyone's too scared to tell the boss's dog to fuck off from the cookie lab. Because like, if you're not afraid of your boss, then if the dog comes in, you know that your boss wouldn't mind you. you go, Get out of the fucking food lab, you hairy idiot. You know, you could shove the dog and out the, dog the door. And the dog as well. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> But they're so terrified of him, they have to just sit mutely as the dog just gambles in and eats one of the fucking precious
2: like, just, It's just his interfering cookie with our research. experiments. It's oh, like,
1: fuck. this is my oh, laboratoire. <laughs> <Exactly. laughs>
3: yeah.
1: Oh, God.
2: So.
1: Decades of research. <laughs> well, <laughs> That's a stupid animal. And it'll never die. They're also working on like a really important <laughs> we'll malaria vaccine there that the dog has also ruined. <laughs> also, I, I imagine the breeder... If it's a golden retriever, then it's like, yeah, it'll never die, but it's terrifying inbred traits will mean that it just... It's it, life it, is torture. Yeah, it lives to 30, but horribly. <laughs> How could it's you like wish someone, that up on a dog? Yeah, it's like Basically if someone describes Riley Yeah, I'll
3: live to 30,
1: <laughs> but it's terrible. But it's like it's like saying, like, you'll live to 250 years old, but from 70 you'll have dementia... <laughs> And from 80, mm. you won't be able to move. And it's like, oh, don't, no. Mm. <laughs> fucking shoot me. <laughs> it's a horrifying existence. That's his dog. He's this is the a- eugenics podcast with Piano <laughs> <Bell>. <laughs> Well, he's pretty I'm, I'm not the one who's created a private dog hell
0: <laughs> <laughs> in
1: one dog's mind. So, spe- <laughs>
0: guys, speaking of creating private hells, and this, is, this has been about just a dumb yeah. guy doing a dumb thing, tricking dumb people. Yeah. This is about to get pretty, uh, oh, he also is a shit boss. And we're going to kind of bring the anti-capitalism into it uh, for a sec. Sure. Former Hampton Creek employees, including several involved in its research efforts, all of whom declined to be named for fear of retribution, suggested <laughs> that the company focused on the appearance Guess of innovation. Which words, Ron, is added. <laughs> no, none. I'm reading from really? the article. Oh wow. wow. No editorializing. The company focused on the appearance of innovation and disruption to the occasional just occasional detriment of tangible long-term goals. They expressed frustration at being asked to allocate resources from developing an infrastructure or the food uh, to designing, quote, Cool-looking data visualization tools that seem like they were just used for impressing uh, visitors and potential investors. <laughs> so this is essentially that episode
1: of Parks and Rec where Aziz Ansari's character has like a huge warehouse, and they're all rollerblading around, uh-huh. and there's like a oh, water yeah. feature in the lobby, and uh, and a Pac-Man machine.
0: Mm-hmm. It's that, isn't it? Yeah it's it's the appearance of a, a better product, a better life, or something better, or some kind of useful service. Um, but actually, that disguises uh, yeah. a, a, a sandwich spread that famously tastes quite "quote" vegetal. And this isn't
2: <laughs> this isn't even just going on in in. Vegetal Starletops is code well. for fatty, isn't it? Really. <laughs> <laughs> One, one, of my, one of my friends works for like a multi-billion dollar shipping company. Oh, yeah. And he used to spend most of his work day making presentations about what he'd done for the rest of the day, which was mostly taken up by doing these presentations, yeah. which no one ever read, but he sent them to his boss yeah. so that if his boss's boss asked his boss what he was doing, he was like, well, I'm keeping up with what all my employees are doing by reading all these presentations.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But well, that's <laughs> the trouble is that like much like laundering money, um, if essentially your business is a money factory, that would be a money factory, even if you didn't do anything. Yeah, you can't admit that. Yeah, no, you can't. And everything comes tumbling down. <laughs> no, terrible. Like in the same way that socially, I can't afford to often admit to people that because uh, I'm a stand-up comedian by by job, because I was very brave. And you go, I. It's not because it's perspective based. It's brave for you. You're afraid of it. I'm clearly not. It is my <laughs> job but uh, mm. it's very it can be valuable in certain social situations to be perceived as immune to fear so yeah. it's, it's massively in my interest sometimes so to wait, go, like, oh yeah this is like, very scary
2: if like, <laughs> anyone here looks like they be oh. immune to fear it's probably you it's what like World yeah. War 1
1: yeah exactly, exactly mm. yeah. I was at school with fear I was at school with fear <laughs> middle name, Terence. French sentence John Terence Fear. Fear would be, Fear's like one of those um, English aristocratic names that's Norman, so it's two lowercase f's conjoined. Ooh. Those really old school names, it was like Fear. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Boris Johnson has one of those names in his middle names. Oh, de- oh Defeffel. Defeffel. Yeah. But the f's are those, um, it's like a letter we don't have anymore.
3: Ah. it's maybe, a very Norman maybe he
1: could be a
0: foreign secretary we don't have any more would that be kind of cool
1: well he did, did the, he said the bodies thing didn't he and now they want him to resign for
2: for yeah. talking about dead people I read a
1: conspiracy <laughs> theory
0: that Boris Johnson is
2: trying to get fired because he literally can't survive on a cabinet salary because he has too many huge debts and outgoings due to all of his illegitimate children etc that like when he was making hundreds of uh, thousands of pounds yeah. a year from newspaper columns, he was like on top of that shit. Yeah, now yeah. he's only he
1: can only make 144,000 pounds a year. He's fucked. Oh well, my god. And, that well, owns. But also he's I read a different one, but that lines up nicely with the one I read, which okay. is that he's trying to get fired because Brexit is like this hand grenade that everyone's taking turns keeping the pin in. Yeah. And it's going like, how's it going? Defusing the hand grenade. You go, it's going fine. <laughs> You're just with your hand on it, going, it's going really well actually. Yeah, we're gonna figure <laughs> it out. And saying, they just knowing on the news, we
2: can't defuse the hand grenade. The hand grenade is perfectly fine. It's yeah. in all of our best interests. <laughs> but
1: it's just everyone knows that if you're in the room where someone's arm gets tired, you're fucked. Yeah. And he's trying to get fired before it turns sour. So he can go, well, until I was fired, it was all great.
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and no one will be able to prove exactly. that wrong. It's, it's all about positioning, isn't it? And yeah. Like, if Theresa May sacks him, then... Uh, he's free to build free up free momentum, to, isn't exactly, he? Exactly, yeah. And he's well, free, I don't he's, think he would
0: build up momentum. He's got, he's got a lot of...
4: <laughs> it's got a lot of um, uh, soft power, a lot of influence, oh, yeah, and he yeah, can yeah. cause absolute carnage from the back benches, and then he oh, can yeah. launch a leadership challenge, but he doesn't sack him, which he's probably not going to, and he just she looks, looks weak. So it's yeah. worse so at both worlds.
0: He just keeps looking like a buffoon. But... I, I mean, already, she's
2: going for the Trump aesthetic where you basically can't discredit her any more than she's already discredited herself. There's like, <laughs> like It's like, well, what yeah. can Boris Johnson really do that's worse than everything else they're doing?
1: Yeah, yeah. and it's that thing of when, when competence is... Is no longer expected. That's the most dangerous thing if the yeah. public have been trained not to expect it because then they won't demand it and then it won't be provided. I think and
4: that's we're, the end of it. It's a different level now, though. It's not even like sort of party politics play, game playing. It's like, Oh, isn't he stupid? Everyone look at him; he's stupid. Mm. It's actually now reached the level of this is actually quite embarrassing for the country. (laughs) Like party politics aside, yeah, what you're doing now was picked up about by about 20 different international publications.
0: But that owns is the foreign secretary. Is that Boris Johnson is essentially the mustard stain on the UK's shirt? Yeah, Yeah.
1: (laughs) but that's what's difficult is that if you say to people who like him or say to people who are more on his team, say uh, like that sentence, they'll go good. I'm glad the Johnny foreigner doesn't like (laughs) wonderful bars. So it's impossible. It's like... It's like if you said to Donald Trump, like, well, there's a lot of liberal arts
0: majors who think you're a real piece. <laughs> and he'll they, go, good, yeah, I'm glad. That's Could exactly what I want. Our politics is animated mm-hmm. by kind of atavistic tribalism. Where yeah. We don't care about anything. We just know who we want to own and then we own them. Yeah, repeatedly.
1: well, <laughs> like, what is the thing that we can do that will annoy the people we dislike the most emotionally? Then, we'll, the, then that is the right thing to do. Call That's liberals corn cobs. Was that was <laughs> that the motto of, that. of
2: the Confederacy, actually? Like, we know who we want to own and we own them deliberately.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's about states'
1: rights. <laughs> <laughs> so, ah,
0: senator, <it's> spe- <laughs> senator, butthole seeds. The speaking, third. speaking of justice, um, I want to jump back into Hampton Foods for a moment. Mm. Or Hampton Creek—they um, sell several things, mainly mayo, under the brand name Just. Mm. Uh, so, Just Mayo. But um, Just and fuck the off. and <laughs> like, the CEO was clear to confirm this. This is a reference to righteousness, not simplicity. Okay. Which I think is the perfect encapsulation of the tech industry today. But also, he was careful to say a reference to righteousness, not Mm -hmm. a claim.
4: (laughs) Otherwise, he could get sued.
0: Yeah,
4: exactly. Why would you choose an ambiguous thing that you have to explain? (laughs) Just call it good. Just call it righteous. Yeah. Righteous is right there. It's a
0: word. You could just use it. Vegan mayonnaise. There you go. Righteous. Righteous vegan mayonnaise. You know, it's. It's, uh, the righteous vegan mayonnaise is um, getting all of its stoutest knights and taking some strong ships to the holy land to cr- really sort of um, it reinforce the, uh, the, the county. It tastes attire. horrible, but that's not what it's about for you, is it? <laughs> <laughs> and again, as I say this, remember this company has a one point one billion dollar valuation. All right, yeah. mm. and, and let me get through some of these facts. In 2015, uh, an expose based on, uh, interviews with former employees alleged, among other claims, that, uh, this company was Hampton Creek producing shoddy science, mislabeling its ingredients, and illicitly altering employees' contracts to slash their severance pay. Mm. Last mm. year, another expose by Bloomberg asserted that Hampton Creek operatives, uh, Actually, we're generating the sales by just going and buying vast quantities of just mayo, righteous mayo, in an attempt to artificially inflate its popularity. Nice. Ah, yes. Bloomberg, <laughs> that famously lefty organization. <laughs> <laughs> and um, they also reported that, like, uh, executives were just joining and quitting the company when they realized it was doing nothing. Um, so essentially, this is, don't forget, a $1.1 $1. $1. $1 billion but, mayonnaise startup that basically is just spending investors' money buying its own stuff,
1: allegedly. But what, what's a, where did this valuation come from, the $1.1 $1. $1 I just realized we don't know that. Well... That's the It's not just them they're, saying they
2: usually they're usually valued based on what the last person paid for some stock. Mm-hmm. So the basically the valuation is a calculus of how dumb your latest investor
1: is. Okay. Um, so it's, it yeah. could it could or it could not actually be worth one point one billion. But in theory, according to that method, someone yeah, so happened. someone paid you know like
2: ten percent of one point one billion for ten percent of the company recently, uh, which okay. makes the company notionally
0: worth one point one billion. But the first fifty percent could have been sold for. Yeah, some jars, yeah, S- some yeah. jars of vegan mayo. Yeah, isn't okay. isn't isn't capitalism so great at allocating resources? I love this very efficient system. <laughs> it's yeah. my it's, it, love love to efficiently allocate resources, <laughs> and um, I'm going to date us anyway. Uh, basketball throw uh, rolls of paper towels into a crowd of Puerto Ricans. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I did see that. <laughs> Meanwhile, so Puerto Rico is essentially. Um, Destroyed. Yeah. Did um, I just
2: get from this that like Trump is encouraging them to clean up a hurricane using towels. <laughs> oh, no, just no, it's put like it down, a- it, it <laughs> soaks up. You got it, you got a dab. Don't wipe, dab. It's <laughs> because yeah.
1: he, uh, he started. white wine on it. He started watching QVC and. Uh, <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's a sham. Well, look, you just, you ring
0: it out over Cuba. It's
2: going to be fine. Okay. Good.
0: So I, um, I think we've, we've done some very good owns of um, Tetrick, a man who never blinks and named his dog after a Holocaust survivor. But there's one section of the article that I think a lot of us around this table have seized <laughs> Sounds on. Sounds like a fucking cosplay. <laughs> which, uh, during a tasting amid gleaming mixers in and convection ovens, a cheerful group of twenty and thirty somethings were dipping crackers and crudites into ramekins of vegan salad Isn't dressing. Isn't any oven a convection oven? It's not just how an oven works. Yeah. Tetrick, however, was dissatisfied with the array of samples. Mm. Mm. Where's the butter? He said. Where's the butter? he shouted to a chef who organized the tasting, You've got to get the (laughs) butter! (laughs) I assume he meant vegan butter, right? Or is he not understood? Well, Hampton Creek's plant-based butter... I can't believe it's not, in parentheses. Hampton Creek's plant-based butter was still a prototype, the chef reminded Tetrick. Um, (laughs) And then when the the author of the article tried it, she said she found it grainy, and what's our favorite word?
4: Vegetal. Can I just ask, is this written earnestly, this interview? Is this like a real, like... Because it does, it does remind me, actually, of how, you know, these people are sort of plumped up as, like, visionaries. Mm-hmm. But actually, they're just complete idiots, aren't they? And like, it's, it's the same correct. with politicians. Politicians are just, like, people think they're so much smarter than they actually are. Yeah. Oh, Boris. Where's the butter? <laughs> <laughs> Where's the butter? <laughs> but
1: it, said, it, it reminds me of, like, um, it's sort of, they, they're plumped up as visionaries to... Because if there is a real visionary, like if you do find one, mm-hmm. that's way too valuable to fucking tell people about. Yeah. Like a good investment.
4: Yeah. Like when it's
1: early and cheap, what are you going to tell everyone and then raise the price and fuck yourself? No. You're going to be like, shush, <laughs> fucking <laughs> shut up. Well, that, and then when it's doing really well, then you go, oh, it's doing well. And I seem to own half of it. Oh, just sell it then. <laughs> that's not even. <laughs> like, oh, like, oh like, like, you're like the town idiot who goes, guys, there's gold over here. Like, no, shit. Have some. Well, that's, quietly, that's even slowly, like,
2: that's like uh, old school Wall Street doctrine. Like, if you're reading about it in the newspaper, yeah. it's too late. Yeah, mm. way too late.
1: Yeah. It's like, it'd pointless as sitting around going, I hear this guy, Warren Buffett's a pretty sound <laughs> investor, and thinking, yeah, it's sort of 60 years late to this man's career where you could have helped him in a way that it made you rich. No, mm-hmm. these guys are like, these guys are like, um, in comedy, you get people who pop up and are famous for like a year, right? Mm-hmm. Because they did a poo on a picture of the queen and then it got into the Daily Mirror and it, you know, whatever. <laughs> and, they, and they never have any jokes and they have a big uh, vine following or whatever. <laughs> like, what's his face? Well, well, loves. Dapper loves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. fucking guy. He's oh, a perfect God. example. This is just the investing Mine version of Dapper loves. He dapper
4: nor made me laugh. <laughs> really yeah. Well, he was <laughs>
1: dapper in his little turtleneck apology interview. Oh, oh, God. He put on the fake glasses. Dapper. And then he
4: shaved. He did shave. Yeah, and as if as if to say that actually the beard was part of the character. The the, the But he left the sexual inside, assault was contained in the beard.
0: It <laughs> was a haunted
1: beard. Now oh, I've got, shaved
0: it. I got rid of it, I shaved it. Don't yeah. worry. I'm not a criminal anymore.
1: <laughs> He's the, so this yeah, this guy's like the sort of investment version of Dapper Laughs. A Laugh. so few people latch on and get burned and, and then he just fall gi- away. And right?
0: then he just gives you some rancid mayonnaise. That's
1: right. Yeah. Literally or
2: metaphorically, but Always. Well, I didn't realize that by making rancid mayonnaise, that would result in people actually eating rancid mayonnaise. I'm <laughs> yeah. more of a satirical statement about <laughs> you know, mayonnaise. I don't, I, I don't, I don't make... imagine if mayonnaise was like this. I Guys, will, I it's will ironic. I want to explain himself to Emily Maitlis in a tone. <laughs> <laughs> That's my <what> one. <I>
0: <laughs> Guys, we don't make mayonnaise here or butter. We're a technology platform that actually so does AI. So about this podcast, like, yeah. we make nothing. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, we, oh, we make nothing. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. this is a technology platform that actually like constantly optimizes all of the ingredients th- throughout human history to make a sustainable way uh, that we can spread like what essentially tastes like moss on a sandwich. So uh, billion dollars, please.
1: I'd like the idea of mm-hmm. where's the butter turning into one of those phrases like always be closing. Or uh-huh. Like if he was a really big success, so years from now people <laughs> are saying the one thing you have to remember about the stock market is to always ask where's the butter.
0: <laughs> where's the smart no, Crucially, visit. it's <laughs> where where's the smart butter. Oh, where's, yeah, the, where's the smart butter guys? What I want to know before we um before we close out this this fine episode of Trash Future the podcast, of the future is trash, featuring Pierre Novelli and Matt our cousin. Hmm. You got an update on our uh, favorite super listener? <clears throat> oh God,
2: Steven Seagal. Um, I'm what? not going to lie to you, Riley. The the Steven Seagal fact was did was not forthcoming. <laughs> 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 what? <laughs> oh
0: okay. yeah honestly, due to the fact that does anyone else have any Steven Seagal yeah Segal I fact? actually do yeah. but much like most episodes I have a Steven Seagal fact for this episode good does he listen to this um I hope so I hope he does my one <laughs> my one for last my week's two. one was quite good to be fair <laughs> um
1: okay you can I just look up the story of that martial artist guy third hand through Joe Rogan or something talking about the time Steven Seagal pooed himself on the jujitsu mat oh
0: can we do that for the next episode that we're going to basically record in a few minutes after this <laughs> I guess so, yeah. Because I, um, I found a very fun Steven Seagal fact. All right. Um, George Foreman of grill fame mm-hmm. yeah. has challenged Steven Seagal to a fight. I love that his grill career is now so eclipsed. His <laughs> yeah,
2: really a man who literally fought Muhammad Ali. <laughs> They're good grills, Brad. now more famous for grilling.
0: <laughs> My favorite Twitter good account is Grill Gone grill. Bad. <laughs> Um, Grill's gone wild. Foreman's, <laughs> motive, Foreman's motive for Grille challenging Seagal is, according to this article, still a bit unclear. Uh, though he claims Grills he has starring <laughs> Lena Dunham. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I would love that <laughs> a show starring Lena Dunham all about just people getting mouth jewelry <laughs> and cooking healthy protein-based <laughs> meals.
1: The fat drains out of the meat and into
0: the base at the bottom of the grill. It's a very simple yeah. system. <laughs> Nelly's there, like this is some good chicken. <laughs> so. While he has no personal animus, it's being suggested that George Foreman suggested that Seagal calling the recent NFL protests, quote, disgusting, might be maybe why he challenged him to a fight. Maybe. Mm. Personally, I don't think anything would give me more happiness than to see the fake reggae, fake Russian, fake Japanese, fake martial artist, obese glimmer man get his ass (laughs) handed to him by a man who's most famous for finding a way to cook fat-free meat.
2: I mean, if he yeah. could cook the fat out of Steven Seagal, that would do that would do Steven Seagal a huge favor. I mean, yeah. you'd have to empty that tray quite a few times. <laughs> and what would
1: be in that tray,
0: dear? Oh. <laughs> Hideous. Years of fake expertise. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where I think we're going to say good night for now.
1: Uh, well, good night.
2: Oh, we should. Oh, yeah.
0: Good night. Yes. Yeah, good night. <laughs> good morning, if you're Australian.